Welcome back to the CA Power Players Podcast, live in the marketing studio today as I hang out with my good buddy from Vero Beach, Florida. Dude's a great golfer, fantastic hair, always extremely well-dressed, not as good at be- at- with baseball cards as Grant Dockerty is. Please welcome back from Senior Life Services, James Whitley. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Dude, thanks for being here, J-Dub. Three years since I've been to... Three years. Dude, this building... Spring Vegas, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what Landon would say. I, I, since, you know, we gotta, we're in the marketing studio, so we got to use stuff like, you know, terms like that. Yeah. Uh, I thought that I was going to say this building didn't exist three years ago. Well, that's not totally true. The building existed. Security and marketing being in it did not. No. Right? So welcome back. Yeah. How's life been, man? You guys are doing... Uh, you guys are going to do over $30 million in final expense... Telecells, telecells in 2022. Yes, sir. How nuts is that? It's pretty nuts. I mean, 13 years ago, couldn't couldn't have pictured that number. So yeah. Well, okay. So you started out 13 years ago. When you first started out, for those who don't know James Whitley's story, uh, trying to figure out how to sell over the phone. Yes. You and Grant Doherty, you didn't have um, Rory's like, hey, figure this out, right, or something of that nature. What was that? Yeah, he's been he's been in the industry forty five years, uh, but Rory's sold, a cool cat. Too. Sold everything face to face. Yeah, and so he's an incredible mentor. Taught me everything I know, but said, "Here's how I would sell it face to face." But mm. I hear that people are starting to sell this over the phone. Let's figure it out. So that's what we did, and we just sat down in an office Dude, with a box it. old leads and and tried to figure it out. I love it. And rest is history. Without a script, no script. At the box time. of old leads. How old? Or like old direct mail or what? I'm not sure they were honest with us on, on how old they were leads that had been mailed for uh, face-to-face agents that were not in their territory or the agent wasn't here anymore or anything. So, you know, and they were like a prescription drug intro. Yeah. And so it, it taught me early on that, you know, a lead truly is a name and a number. So, well, and an older direct mail is still good than a lot of leads too. You know, I mean, yeah, it's not ideal, but, an older direct mail lead is they still took to the mailbox. They still put they information on it. Yeah. Was there things where they didn't have a phone number that happened from time yep. to time? Yeah. I got really good at reverse phone number lookup. Ah, <laughs> so that, that worked. Does that still work technically as like a random tip for somebody listening? I don't know. Does that work? I think it still works. You know, I mean, we still, we still use it. You know, people change their numbers all the time and there's all kinds of websites and things that, that, you know, it's incredible. I look, they, I yeah. had an agent look my stuff up and my cell phone numbers on there. I don't know how they got it. So, Wow. So if you're like, hey, I want to get a hold of James. He so may the internet. just gave you a tip on how to do it, yeah. right? Don't even – he has an iPhone, right? You have yeah. Because he's a normal, you know, smart human being, okay? Um, so you should FaceTime him. Actually find his number and FaceTime James. Maybe not too late at night or on the weekends. You know, his, 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 Sam, his wife, Sam, may wonder what the heck's going on. But uh, no, you should definitely look him up. And he may even give – out some details today on how you could get a hold of him and maybe work more with the senior life services and learn what they're doing. Cause there's a lot of agents out there, man, that they want to sell with a phone. I think a lot of you listening, you would love to do that. And, but they just struggle to do it. They're like, I don't have the perfect script. I don't know what to say when they want me to mail them stuff or I've always done face to face sales. And so this transition has been tough. Maybe there's a lot of agents that probably tried during COVID tried unsuccessfully. There was a lot that tried successfully, right? That pivoted. Yeah. Y'all pivoted quite a bit. I mean, cause you were about a 50, 50 filled versus phone, uh, two and a half years ago. Yeah. We still had a, a good portion of the agency. Um, just over 50% going door to door kitchen table wow. sales. They were used to it. And yeah. I remember to this day, the day Rory called me and said, you know, 
we had to do something. And mm. uh, a week later, you know, we had everybody transition over and, and we really didn't lose anybody and didn't miss a beat. So, That's amazing. Um, you know, we were fortunate. So Yeah. And the fact that you had been doing it for so long made it simple to tr- transition into like, okay, everybody's going to do this. And because you think about it, what did you notice about the industry for those that maybe didn't pivot or they weren't doing it or they were only doing field? Because now you are doing probably 99% phone. You were 50-50. There's some that were doing 100% field, right? And there was times where, I mean, yeah, there was states and areas where you could just get away with doing whatever you wanted. Now, that's not necessarily the case for the whole country, though, right? There's a lot of areas where they, a lot of companies had to pivot. Uh, what did you see from all these different companies as they had to pivot? Some of them weren't prepared. They didn't know how to pivot. They lost a bunch of agents. Yeah, trying to figure out technology and, and leads. And, some probably and, closed their doors, possibly depending on how long we've been in business. And I think I was fortunate, and I saw it at that time. Rory, when I first started 13 years ago, I said, well, let me ride along with some of the best salespeople because let me see how they close it. And yeah. he was smart enough to say, I don't ever want you to be in an in-home presentation so that when you're on the phone, you won't say, well, man, if I'd just been in front of him. Mm. Um, and so... Have you ever been in a actual face-to-face appointment. Uh, I mean, I've met some of my clients because I've sold friends and family and stuff sure. like that, but I've never met a lead, I guess would be the, the thing. In 13 years, I've never met a single potential client face-to-face. It's amazing. What would you say to the person that's like, dude, you have to start out in the field. You cannot succeed unless you start out in the field. I feel like they're just two different beasts, and there are a lot of people, and I've met a lot, you know, through through you and eight percent that that can hybrid it and do both. And, yeah, and they'll call, and if they can't sell them, they'll drive out to their home. I don't but, know if I like that though, to be yeah. honest. Right? What's your opinion on that? Truthfully, like your opinion. Nobody else's opinion matters right now, but James Whitley. I think they're seeing the guys that transitioned and, and some that struggled, and, and now they're all doing great. But is things that face to face are important body language and, and, and yeah. what you say and picking up on stuff around you and different things like that. And over the phone, none of that stuff matters. You know, I mean, I could be, right. you know, making crazy faces and, <laughs> and, you know, flicking them off over the phone and they wouldn't know it. Um, but you know, things that do matter, you know, your voice inflection is a lot more important. And, mm. you know, I've always used the, um, you know, I don't know why, but you know, maybe because it's a, fun Christmas movie but like in Die Hard it's like if you took Bruce Willis out of Die Hard and just put him right here at the table with us and he was reading the lines from Die Hard hanging from the helicopter doing all that stuff in the same intensity that he was doing it he'd be you and I would be like man chill out like, come on Bruce. what's going on like calm down but in the movie and in the context of things it's works and so it's the same mm. thing over the phone is you know you've got to be I think more over the top than, than you are in, yes. in person because you would scare Mrs. Jones if you were, hey, Mrs. Jones, this is James. And you were, in, you know, sitting in their kitchen table. It might overwhelm them. So. Right. And when you did, um, when you first did telesales, you didn't have a script. What did you, how did you, how did you all figure out what to say? A lot of trial and error. I always tell people too, it's like, you know, game tape. Um, I guess you're going to, to see, uh, well, you're not going to see Tom Brady, but you are going to see Tom My wife Brady. is. And uh, is <laughs> you're going sure. to see the Cowboys. Yeah. But, Bucks uh, the Cowboys, week you know, one. You talk about Tom Brady or, you know, Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan or all these people, and game tape, you know, is so important to them. And so I always tell people with telesales, in the moment, 
you know, like this interview. I'm not going to realize some of the stuff I said unless I go back and watch it. And I'm going to be like, oh, why did I say that? Or why did I do this? And the same thing happened for Grant and I. We'd be sitting there trying to sell over the phone and going back and listening to a recording that, that we did in a presentation that we did, whether we sold them or not. And just like Tom Brady can go back and see, okay, well, my foot was in the wrong position or mm. I didn't do the three-step or I didn't rotate my hips or I didn't do this. We were able to go back and, and hear obvious buying signals or obvious this or obvious that that we didn't yeah. understand and pick up on. And so the things that were working, we kept using the things that, that didn't work. I mean, I'll never forget, I coming from finance background, all that stuff, I thought this, the financial strength of the company I was selling and how long they'd been in business and their S&P rating and all, you know, all this stuff mattered. And, you know, nobody cares that yeah. American Amicable has, you know, a billion dollars in reserve and all this. They don't care about that. You would think in theory it matters, right? It, it mattered to me. Yeah. But well, and it, but it probably does matter to a lot of more savvy, larger investors, right? right? Um, a financial advisor could probably get away with that, like you talked about, more than a file expense agent. You know, that's interesting. But the client just, just wants to buy me, you know, and so yeah. that's what we learned quickly is good. the people that I go off on a tangent with and talk about, you know, Louisiana was like my favorite state. We started mailing that early on. And the people that I would get into gumbo conversations and the people that were obsessed on, on you know, Aru versus Okra. And like I found out it was like a religion. And so I just started asking Crazy. every person to talk about that. So they get to talk about anything but insurance so that I could then transition into insurance. And we just learned that through through trial and error and doing research. And, you know, unfortunately, there wasn't a Cody Askins on YouTube back in 2009, <laughs> you know, to make yeah. it easy. So that's hilarious. What would you say to the if an agent was building a script from scratch right now today? What advice would you give them on how they should think through building that over time? It's tough. We, we talked about this earlier and, and understanding the psychology of it, but I'm a numbers guy. And so I, I yeah. looked at it from statistics and obviously you got to get from point A to point B. And, and so many agents understand that, but it's like, you know, driving to the airport. I'm mm -hmm. sure in Springfield here, there's more than one way to get to the airport. Yeah. And you might have your favorite route. Lauren might have her favorite route. And, and then, then everybody else is wrong. You guys, <laughs> so you take Lauren's route. No, um, but, exactly. uh, you know, so that, that A to B point. And so we have a saying around the office where, you know, people make fun of me for the math stuff. But as long as you're plus or minus one standard deviation, like above or below that, and you just don't get too out in left field, mm -hmm. um, too often, I think too too many people try and make it too robotic. So they're like, I got to read every single word verbatim to this, but you got to be able to to feel out what your client's doing and be able to. A lot of what we're scripting is just asking questions that are going to move the ball down the field, right? So since we're on this football right. analogy, right. right? It's uh, you know, four yards a carry. You win the game. Yeah. It's, not, it's not big plays, but you're going to get a first down every single time. Actually, three yards carry, you'd be able to. Technically. And um, and so it may not be sexy, but you're just moving the ball down the field. So you don't have to throw the Hail Mary right in the beginning. But if you can just move the ball down the field and pick up little nuggets here and there, but maintain control, that's more of, of what we focus on more so than here's exactly what you have to say in this moment mm. at this time. So It's good. Yeah, it makes sense. What was your biggest week ever? Do you remember what your biggest week ever was over the phone? 
Not what they are now. Um, no. I think I did over, I remember I did over 10,000 one time to, to qualify for a trip. And that was a big deal. Um, and yes. it was, you know, a big push week we had. And so I had a couple of 10,000 uh, AP weeks. Still um, big though. And, and that was a big deal. Um, yeah. Not so much anymore. Now we no. have people doing it every single week. So we had, wow. we had a uh, young lady out of um, Texas who did over 10,000 for 27 consecutive weeks. You saw her um, wow. in Mexico. So, uh, and she won Ultimate Challenge. And so she did 27 consecutive weeks Gosh, with dang. her worst week being 10,000. That's insane. Let's kind of break that down because I think there's a lot of people listening, right, that would love to do 10000 bucks a week. So let's talk about the anatomy of a $10,000 a week, okay, hypothetically. If someone wanted to go out, today's the time of recording this. It's Tuesday. It's actually before the Bucks and Cowboys game, which was probably air after, which is fine too. Um, I'm predicting that the Cowboys beat the Bucks and upset the Bucks on week one, but we'll see, okay? Um, it's Tuesday. Let's say someone wanted to do $10,000 next week. How do they set themselves up for success? And what's the anatomy of a $10,000 week look like? Um, obviously, there's there's more than one way to be successful in this industry. You know, we acknowledge that all the time. And I've got a lot of friends, or we have a lot of friends that do it different ways uh, for, you know, our structure and stuff. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, the mindset, um, making sure that you get prepared for the week. You know, it's... It's like, you know, we're both driven, talk about doing stuff outside insurance. And it's like, if somebody just says, hey, I'm going to go make a million dollars. It's like, well, great. Everybody wants to do that. But okay, now what are the plans to do it? And, and yeah. you and I are similar where I, I write that stuff down every morning. So, you know, I do the 5 a.m. club, still do it. Did it this morning at awesome. uh, 4 a.m. Um, That's right. Yeah, because you're in central time. Yeah. And, That's early. Uh, and yeah. you can get in until after midnight. Yeah, I got into the room at like 1 um, jeez, and sleep when I'm dead. Like two but, uh, sleep. did you go back to sleep? Yeah, could I you? Can't. You probably can't. Yeah, no. that's unbelievable, um, dude. That's nuts. You guys are complaining about getting six hours of sleep. Goodness gracious, seven. But hours. I want to stick to that routine, and I want to be consistent. And if I'm not doing it, then I can't expect agents to do it. Yes. And so I put the five a.m. club video out, and we talk every single day in that about you know um, aspiring to be better and doing these things. And so writing down your goals, not just you know, for the day, but, but for the month and for the year. So every single day it's understanding that. And so I'm a big understand your numbers person. Mm. And so we have I'm probably dating myself when I say this, but we have something called a TPS report, which is just my homage to, um, a great movie, but, um, office space. but to office space. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but in the TPS report, I, I had it, this was, this is how I've been doing it. We didn't have CRM, so I had no data. So I had to track mm. everything with, with, uh, what do I do? The one, two, three, four, and then I cross it out for five. Uh, it was fun. Yeah. And so T stood for talk to how many people did I talk to? Mm. P stood for presentations. S stood for sales. It's pretty simple. Had, yeah. And then I had a couple formulas. And, and obviously, if you had dials, I used to move paper clips from one cup to the other to, to get my dials. And so if you do that, you know, we talk about statistics and averages again, right? It's like flipping a quarter. So many people in telesales are like, well, yes. I made 100 calls and I didn't make a sale. And it's like, okay, if I told you, Cody, if you flip a quarter 10 times, statistically, they say it should be tails five times. But mm -hmm. it'll probably never happen. Very rarely. Most yeah. of the time, like you might flip it heads 10 straight times. Let's but if you out. flip it a thousand times, 
10,000 times, by the end of 10,000 times, it's going to be almost 50-50. Wow. Uh, and so same thing there is I often talk about, okay, I need three months worth of data, ideally, but you could do it with a week's worth of data. Sure. To back out, okay, how many presentations did it get, take to get a sale? Right? So let's say you close 25% of your presentations. So that means every four presentations you're going to get a sale. How many people do I have to talk to to get a sale? Yep. And then how many dials does it take to get somebody to answer the phone? And so then we can back out if my goal is 10,000 AP and I know my average sale, let's say, is 800 AP. Now we have a formula for 10,000, which is yep. coming into next week. You have to be prepared, at least on the telesales side. You're not having to do appointment setting, all this stuff. You have to be prepared to do, okay, if I need to make 142 dials a day, let me set myself up because we're talking about flipping a quarter. So we got to do more. So let me set myself up to do at least 150 or break it out into five days. Saturday will be that, okay, I'm not quite to 10 yet. And now that's how somebody can do it every single week consistently because cool. they know their numbers and they know over the course of, of the long haul, you're going to have that and you're going to have your pipeline full. Not every call is going to be a one call close. Yeah. 10 K let's just call it 12 cells. It's 833 or whatever, right? 12 cells could be 12 and a half, 13, but 12 cells. Sales to presentations, you're thinking, what would you say it is at y'all's company? Like, okay, if, if they if they do 24 presentations, they're going to get 12 sales, or they, some of them are going to be doubles, so it's kind of, you know, convoluted. Do you think, like, what yeah, do you think? Yeah, it's tough. I never, I, I hate putting that number out there because then yeah. people compare themselves to that. And so True. it's all about knowing, you know, your number. Um, yes. And so. What do you think a conservative average would be across the, end, like, someone listening could definitely do like 36 presentations, 12 sales better. Yeah. I mean, I, if, if, and everyone, so here's the other thing, everyone's definition of what a presentation is. is That's different. also true. And so part of it was Some people it's like, Hey, if you myself. make it five minutes, the right. presentation, well, maybe not though, you know? And so, you know, for me, talk to was different than presentation. So presentation wasn't, if I didn't get to ask for the sale, it wasn't a presentation. And so, but then some people just say like, Hey, you interested in some insurance and that's a presentation. Yeah. And so everyone's definition of different, I just need to know, you know, what your numbers are. And so what's cool with technology now and CRMs is, is you can really gamify and you can break it down to dollars per dial. So you can Mm -hmm. say, here's, here's your AP or here's the, the income that you're going to generate every time you dial a number that now makes it fun, right? Because it doesn't matter if they don't answer. They answer yeah. and hang up on you. They answer and curse it. Like you're just like, boom, here's another $5 and 17 right. cents or whatever. And you can awesome. kind of count it out in your head. And then on the day where you get beat up, you can go home and still mentally say, well, I still made this much because you know, every no yes. is going to get you closer to really yes. And that's yes. the hardest part about telesales. It's a grind. So it is. I mean, so let's, let's, let's use what can we use 24 as a general example? You know, I know it's not gonna be perfect and it's not exact, sure. but so let's, okay. So 24 presentations. And talk to how many to give 24 presentations, you think? A hundred? Yeah. Again. Yeah, I was going to say about four people talking to okay. you in the presentation. That makes sense. And then dials to talk to. Again, definition of talk to is different. Yeah. If a kid answers the phone or whatever. But, you know, I always say, you know, somewhere, I mean, we can be conservative. Let's say yeah. 600. Okay. So if that's the case, you need to dial about 100, 100 times, 100, 120 times a day yep. in that example, right? But also you could take 10,000 
and divide it by the 600 and you're making $16.67 every time you pick up the phone when someone else is making $16.67 to flip a burger. Right. You know. And they can flip a lot more. That You can make a lot more dials than they can flip burgers, too. And no matter yeah. how many burgers, we use that analogy all the time, no matter how many burgers you flip in the hour. That's what you make. You don't make any more. Yeah. But yet you come That's here cool. and we tell you you can dial as much as you want. And every time you dial, you make money. And, and there's this yes. mental block that stops somebody from doing that. Yeah, stuff. it's interesting, too, because some people are like, well, dude, I can't sell 10000 bucks. Are you flipping kidding me? They got somebody that's done it 27 weeks in a row. And she's probably not the greatest salesperson on the planet. She just and she'd been doing it for close to ten years, and she was a field agent that had had moved over, and she just had wow. some circumstances change in her life that said, "I got to make some money now. I want to make some changes." And so, in the short term, I'm going to make some sacrifices, yes. time, um, and commit to doing this because if I do ten thousand dollars every single week. A, I'm going to win this contest in six months. And then B, the commission checks are going to come off of that are going to be a lot bigger. Now the renewals are going to be a lot bigger. And that's what that was what our goal was. So you got to be intentional about what you want and, and why you want it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, you think it's far too many people just don't know what they want or how, how they're going to get it, you know? Yes. Uh, I make it a point anytime I'm working directly with somebody to, before we even get them on the phone, sit down and figure out what the goals are. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're coming from fast food, which you'll have some. Yep. And, and so that's an example and and you know her well and, um, KFC to six figure earner. Right. And so you come from frying chicken and the most you've ever made, I think it was like 24,000 that she'd made. Wow. $40,000 is a huge raise. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted 40% increase. I wanted six figures for her, but our goals had to align. And so it took a little bit of time to be the $40,000 a year earner used to living off 24,000 before she came back and said, okay, like I I bought a purse, I bought new clothes, I bought this and that, but now I don't want to rent anymore. I want to buy a house. Now I, you know, don't want this old car I want a new car now I want to do things for my family but it takes some time you know um Henry Stewart says all the time right he says there's levels to these bezels and sometimes you know that's a watch reference and so for people that like watches you buy your first you know Cody likes nice things right you buy your first Rolex Mm -hmm. and maybe it's just like your standard some air or something like that and now all of a sudden you want, you know, the presidential and you want this and you want that, but you don't know until you get your first one. And so he uses that analogy a lot for, she didn't know she, she didn't even know what six figures could do for her, Yeah. but she had to make 40 first and her and I had to constantly have communications and be, because if I was just saying work harder, sell more, do this, why there's, there's no goal line there, mm. but then all of a sudden she wanted to buy a house. She wanted to buy a car. She's accomplished all those things, started her own business, all that. Yeah. Now six figures is, is nothing. And she wants to keep it's taking cool. it to the next level. So you gotta, you gotta be on the same page when people are setting their goals. Yes. Plus when you're making 24, 40 is amazing. And a hundred feels like flipping impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, like it feels so far away. Like probably somebody listening right now or just feels so far away, you know, and everything is so far away. You know, you making your first, whatever you know was so far away and then the money you made now felt so far away you know the money you're going to make in the future you know it's just 
It's interesting too, though. How much of it is is like us governing our own potential and limiting the possibilities of our own life, of just the way that we think overall? Yeah. Maybe it's but also surroundings, way you were raised, starts to play into what you think you is expected or what you think you should have, or what you think you should end up with. That's how I was raised. I mean, it was yeah. go to college, which I did. Mm-hmm. Graduate. Go Gators. Get a good job. Go Gators. Uh, and um, and then work your you know work work at a good company for thirty years, work your way up the corporate ladder, so on and so forth. And I was fortunate that I graduated in '08. In hindsight, I was fortunate because the recession came full swing, finance yes. major, and I had that conversation with myself when when Rory and I talk to each other and you know he he offered me the opportunity to where he said you know you got to look at that stuff and I realized like my dad had done that and I love my dad to death and my dad is is the biggest influence in my life but I didn't want to end up like him because working hard for for forever didn't didn't do anything for him right and so you know it took getting outside of what education had taught me, you know, to get to that point. But to your point on that, my only goal at that time was just to get out of debt. I didn't know yes. anything else. And so again, goes back to what are those goals and where are you trying to get to? And, you know, yeah. we have a saying at our office all the time, there's, you know, a why that makes you try and a why that makes you cry. And the why that makes me try is obviously I would like to, to not worry about how my bills are going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and although I don't know anything about fast cars and all that stuff and that stuff doesn't, doesn't entertain me. I like real estate and I like to do all this stuff. But then the why that made me cry was what drove me more. And, and that was at the time paying back my parents for everything that they had done. And so, you know, four years ago, I was able to retire my mom who was working at the hospital, had a pacemaker you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wanted her to have a better life. And so I bought them a house and moved them down to Vero and, and I'm able to take care of them. Um, and then, you know, now short term, it's been my wife and her health issues. And, and that's yes. what makes me and I got kids and all that stuff is what drives me um, as well as, you know, our agent success and those stories that, that we talk about all the time. So Correct. If an agent's struggling and, and they're like trying to find a home, they're not totally happy where they're at. They're like struggling to find the right fit for them, you know, because there's a lot of places that'll help you. A lot of places that won't help you. A lot of agents that are in the business, a lot of agents that are doing it part-time, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of agents that have quit and came back. What advice would you give to somebody that's like trying to find an actual home for them? There are a lot of incredible people in this industry. There are also a lot of really bad people in this industry. And and I credit Cody. I had a lot of experiences with bad people in this industry. And so when Cody and I met, I was like, I don't want to meet anyone else in this industry. Um, Yeah. And I've met a lot of great people. And so I always tell everyone, you know, and I think you hear this a lot right now, is you've got to find the right mentor. It's not so much the organization. Obviously, I'm partial to the fact that I think our organization is full of entirely of good mentors, and you will get mm-hmm. that no matter what, and that's what our culture is. I've seen that to be true, by the way. I really but have. we're small comparatively, at least as body count goes, to a lot of places. Sure. And so there but are a lot But you help of, agents, like, very intimately. Right you're providing and helping them with a ton of like quality lead sources. There's a lot more one-on-one help. Um, and you can, and, and 
yeah, maybe maybe small body count, but a large amount of premium. You know? No, and, and, and you'll find that at other organizations too. So I say sure. you can find that, but you've got to find somebody that is going to invest as much time and energy into you as you're investing back into the opportunity. And so, you know, if, if no one's there to help you, you know, yeah. when you're brand new or you're struggling, you know, what we pride ourselves on is you're not on the phone alone. You know, we've got the technology where somebody's sitting shotgun with you, listening to your presentation, telling you what to say, even jumping in and helping you close it, and you don't owe them a penny. Um, and, and that's what you need. And so we'll teach you the underwriting. We'll, we'll answer all your questions. We'll help you close the sales. I tell agents all the time, tell me what you need to accomplish. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what it takes to get there. And if you, if I say do X, Y, and Z and you do it, I will not let you fail. Mm. Like I, I put my own financial, I've told people like, if this is how much you need to make, do this. And if you don't do it, if you don't make it, I'll personally make up the difference. Um, and I learned that from Rory because that's what Rory told me. He says, if you do this and you don't make this, then mm. I'll personally make the difference up. And he's never had to give me a cent out of his pocket. And wow. I've never had to give an agent a cent out because that's how confident we are in what we do. And so if you don't find somebody that can believe in you that much, that's oftentimes a problem because I wouldn't be – I'm more of an entrepreneur than an entrepreneur. Right, entrepreneur yep. is the sexy word. You're an entrepreneur. Start yeah. your own companies. Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. I found a company that I could plug into, and then I could build my own something inside of that. Correct. And I wouldn't be nearly where I am today if I didn't have that support and, and everything around. And most agents out there are more like me than they are like you. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Do you want to learn more about you, James Whitley, and also the company Senior Life Services? Um, what, what do they do? Where do they go? How does that work? I'm on Facebook, James Whitley. I'm on Instagram, James Whitley. Um, apparently, I'm getting old because I'm not on TikTok with the kids okay. these days. Right. <laughs> he, is, <laughs> but, he, uh, he is getting old, isn't he? But, um, but I'm on both those those platforms, uh, and cool. and uh, I may not post a lot, but I respond to people all the time, and I'm in all the groups with people and stuff. So, I love it. Well, thank you for sharing the anatomy of a ten thousand dollar week, the company, this all the success you've had, and thanks for sharing. Some telesales tips today for agents all around the world. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you, and thank you for being you. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Power Power Players podcast. Can't promise the next guest will be as cool as James. But either way, we'll see you on the next one.